So welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim. I am your host. I am joined today by Steve. I call him Dad. You can call him Steve. Uh, and our good friend of the podcast, Brad Jerzak. Welcome, Brad. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, we're pretty excited to have you, actually. We're <laughs> we love having you on. I'm really excited to talk today. We are addressing... Uh, the Beatitudes 1 and 2, um, so we recently, uh, listeners of the podcast would have just heard teaching on, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. That's still the first two Beatitudes, right? We didn't change yep. the order. Yeah, we didn't. Oh, good. Not in Matthew. Yeah. I mean, in Matthew there, that's good. Um, so I, I wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about that. I see you eyeballing my t-shirt. Are you admiring my t-shirt? I am. It's a good t-shirt, man. Look at that. So this word What does that say? Embrace paradox. Yeah. Embrace. Embrace the paradox. The so, paradox. Yeah, we, we stuck in the there. I wasn't sure if we should do that or not, but you know, we don't, we don't pay per letter. So I thought, what the heck? We won't be cheap. We'll add the too. Um, and so you're specifying the word the specifies a particular paradox. So what, what is that? Ooh. That's What's a great the question. particular paradox? Well, so we're gonna. I think that we'll probably actually be touching on paradox quite a bit today because yeah. uh, we are really uh, going to see the juxtaposition of this uh, blessed and poverty of spirit. It's uh, there's paradox right off the bat between being blessed and being poor. Isaiah is telling me that our Audio is no good. I don't know if it got better. Somebody give me a comment in the thing and let me know. Oh, Dad's leaving. He's Dad got so fed up with the audio, he's just out of here. He's like, I'm out um, of here. I don't want anything to do with this. He snapped. He lost it. He went off. Yeah. He Where is the going? danger. Yeah. Oh, which book? Oh, Beatitudes? Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> we've got a book. We're rambling already. This is great. Uh, Dad just wrote a book uh, about the Beatitudes and you should buy it because it's an excellent accompaniment to the podcast right now, actually. Um, but you can't, we had the one author proof copy, but my wife stole it and oh. is reading it at home. So, <laughs> Hey, did I, did I do the forward to that? You one? You did. did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I must've liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I did like it. Oh, good. I loved it. You, I, what I love about this podcast is that, Everybody on it will order a copy of the book, and that's a good way to start book sales because it's really a good book. It's a keeper, and you don't want just a library version or something. It should be on your shelf, uh, in your top shelf, probably. Yeah, amen. I I agree. Thank you. I it was fantastic. I I was going to say I couldn't put it down. Truth be told, I couldn't put it down because I had to typeset the thing, so it was my job to read it. But I would have read it anyway, I promise. It was so glad to hear that. <laughs> wow. Um, and Brad uh, agreed to write the forward if we'd give him a T-shirt. So that's how that works. That's worked. right. There you go. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, hey, if you if you like my T-shirt, if you want to buy this one, or there's a bunch of others. we got like seven different styles, seven different collections. Uh, impactnations.com slash shop. We'll get you there. There's lots of shortcuts, but I'm saying slash shop today. Uh, go. Uh, oh, you know what? Here, one sec. Let me just show you. I, I'm the, the forward is worth the price of the book. <laughs> I'm just having your name on so the cover. If you go to our website, right up here is a shop button, a blue shop button. You click that. Boom. Now you can go two different ways. You can buy the book. There it is right there. That's a nice cover. Who designed that cover? Or 
You you could look like one of these fine young people and wear one of these cool shirts. I could lose 40 years you, just by, just putting, by, a by shirt putting on a shirt. That's right. You've got to learn the French tuck. This is a new thing I learned from oh. watching Queer Eye, actually. The French tuck. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. You just tuck in the belly. It's very weird. But anyway, I'm working it. I don't know if my t-shirt's long enough. <laughs> I think my back would explode. If I did. Anyway, let's oh, get man, back to... Oh, man, we're off uh... the rails. Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. Um, hey, let's talk about blessed are the poor in spirit. Here's my first question right off the bat. Uh, you, There's another set of Beatitudes in Luke. Uh, I think that's in the Sermon on the Plain. Is that what yeah. they call that one? Luke yeah. 6. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so in Matthew, we're on the mountain. Uh, in Luke, we're on the plain. Luke says it as just blessed are the poor, full stop. Matthew says, and woe to the rich. Yeah, whoa, yeah. <laughs> whoa. And Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So right yeah. off the bat, uh, who got it right? What, what are they the same thing? Who is it? Blessed are the poor or blessed are the poor in spirit? What's the difference? I think you need both. All right. Yeah. I think. In fact, I'm going to argue that you get both in Matthew. Oh. And here's where I'm coming from. Um, that there is sort of a, there's an agenda in Luke that's very important about a reversal of the poor and the rich, whatever that means to Luke. But you see it in the Magnificat. He's going to pull down the mighty off their thrones and he's going to raise up the lowly. Yep. Uh, you see it in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It's the re a reversal. Of, so that's the Luke Beatitudes are very much in that line. But in Matthew, um, I want to first of all say he's not just spiritualizing it. How could we say that when he follows up with those who mourn, those who hunger for justice, and and those who are peacemakers? That's that's very much about a social, like a public witness. So it's not just a, an internalizing or a spiritualizing. But I th I think where he goes further than Luke is it's it he clar he's clarifying you could be. Um, you could be wealthy like Joseph, Abraham, um, like uh, Daniel, second in command in an empire. Uh, you, you could be wealthy and still have poverty of spirit. That's possible. Mm -hmm. And also you could be poor and still be very prideful and haughty and resentful and victim mentality and all of that stuff. So, so um uh, there is this sense, sense in which it's not, he's not just spiritualizing poverty of spirit into the abstract. It is a real orientation of the heart. And my friend, um, you know, Ward Draper works with five and two ministries and he understands, he understands us that his task is not to end poverty in Abbotsford. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. But what he can do is he can, he can help the poor in Abbotsford become poor in spirit. Which means then we've got a paradox. Is poverty of spirit there just impoverishment and they're poor? And, oh, well, you're blessed anyway, even though you're a loser. Or is it in some way um, a virtue? Is poverty of spirit a virtue? And I would say it's like with, um, with you guys that it's, it's both. There's a paradox going on here. So there is a literal way of reading it. Yes, it's the poor. And then there's sort of a, a, a moral way of reading it. It's like those who've, those who've bankrupted their ego. 
of the poor in spirit. And this is a fruit of the spirit. This is the life of Christ. in So I just dumped a whole bunch of things there. That'll give us a start, I guess. And I would say that we need both. Uh, we yeah. need both Luke and Matthew, because otherwise um, we do just focus on, okay, just the, the literal poor. Or, frankly, in our day, uh, in the North American church, we, we go the other way. We and neglect we say, them. As, well, as long as you, you can be rich, you can do all this stuff as long as you, you're poor on the inside, as long as you stay humble. And that's not what Jesus is saying. You need both together. It's interesting, isn't it, that the, the word he picked for poor is not the most common word in the New Testament for poor. This is like abject, terrible poverty, that the word that he used. And isn't that interesting? So yeah. I, I really believe, and I, I think we both do, that we you need, it's, I think you need both of, all the way through the Beatitudes, you need both Luke and Matthew. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise we get out of balance. And as I said, in our culture, we spiritualize. Yeah. You know. And you need, you need a literal sense of, yep. and what I'll call a moral sense. Yep. And also a spiritual or a gospel sense. And I think that's all the way through every Beatitude. And I even, I suspect that the way Matthew has framed it, that Christ ascends the mountain. <clears throat> and and it's sort of like Moses ascending Sinai, except Jesus isn't Moses receiving the law. He's Yahweh giving the new way. Mm, yeah. And but also there's a the, it's an he's, he ascends to the cross. And also we ascend th through the literal moral to gospel reading of it, but we never leave behind any of them. You um so I, I talked to Tim about this. I don't know if I talked to you about it, um, Steve, but this in the early church, they, they especially applied it to the, to the Beatitudes, but also cross scripture that there was a literal sense, not mm -hmm. literalist, you know, mm -hmm. but what does Jesus intend there? What does the author intend? Who's writing about it? Uh, and that we pay close attention to the words, like the word for poor there, for example. So that's your literal sense and, and how Yes, God cares about actual poor people, and he has good news for them. Blessed are you. I have good news, even if you're in abject poverty. Um, but then this, the idea of a moral sense, that, that's not, and not moralism. It's not just a new set of laws or rules we'll fail to achieve. But the moral sense is, in what ways does grace transform us from the inside to make us poor in spirit in, in the sense of um, uh, the way of the cross and saying no to the demands of the ego and saying, yes, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ in me. You know, so you've got this moral sense that looks like, first of all, poverty of spirit is a description for actual poverty. And second, it's also a description of the cruciform life. It's mm. been emptied mm -hmm. of haughtiness and pride. It's, it's said yes to taking up the cross and following Jesus. It said yes to the crucifixion of our, of our attachments and selfishness. And so poverty of spirit is, can be another word for humility. And then it goes into meekness in the third beatitude. Yeah. And then this spiritual sense of points to Jesus. How is, how is Christ 
the exemplar par excellence mm. of poverty of spirit. And that's Philippians 2, kenosis. Right. Kenosis is poverty of spirit as well. Yeah. There's a lot to cover here. Let me, let's bring it back to the literal for, for a minute. Because, yeah. again, we've got sure. this, this tension. Um, when it comes to actual poverty, like if we're going to look at the literal sense of this, Yep. And you mentioned, you know, in Luke's passage, he gets right onto the, hey, woe to you if you're rich. Um, we, in this, in this line of work at Impact Nations, we're working with communities over in the developing world where they are living on much smaller <laughs> incomes, shall we say, you know. Um, and... I was just celebrating. One of our young entrepreneurs uh, is now earning three hundred dollars a month, which is just mind blowing in Uganda. Yeah, whoa! But if I told you how would you like to live on three hundred dollars a month, you'd go, whoa! <laughs> um, How's he doing it? Yeah. Uh, well, that that uh, it's a young lady, and she's doing graphic design. She's uh, ah. she's doing um, or web design as well. But here's my here's my question: as somebody who is not living off of $300 a month. I'm going to have to say I fall into the woe to you rich man category. So what do I, what am I to do with this? Am I to take a vow of poverty and go get rid of all my stuff and tell the kids, <laughs> all right, kids pack up. We're going to live under the bridge. Um, what, what am I to do with that? Yeah. I, I would start by praying, Lord have mercy. Hmm. Um, the first time I ever preached on that sermon in the plane, I was assigned that passage in a refugee camp on the border of Burma. Whoa. So here's all these people who've been refugees over three generations now. They come to church and then they have an offering. I'm like, you have an offering? They're like, you never, ever go to church without an offering. That's crazy. They They, they couldn't conceive of that. And now I'm supposed to preach on on Luke, right? blessed are the poor and woe to the rich. And I'm, and it was very easy for me at that point. Um, everybody here except me is poor <laughs> and blessed are you. I'm the one rich guy. Woe to me. Uh, so I got on my knees and, and they gathered around me and prayed mercy for me. Um, I think I think that's where I would start and just say, I don't get to choose whether I'm the rich man or Lazarus. I am the rich man, period. So now, do I take a vow of poverty? I, I recommend taking a vow of generosity. And that I also discovered, you can be very financially poor and be very generous like these folks. Yes. You can be very rich and, and live hand to mouth as cash poor because you're not managing well. But, um, you know, my wife was also talking to someone who, who'd never grown up having a hot meal. And, she, and this, this younger person who, from this background, uh, actually indigenous, um, she was working through like her own classism. And she's like, I just always assume poor people are good and rich people are bad. But now, like knowing a few of our friends... That's bothering her because it's not working. It's not fitting her narrative, right? And she said, like, what should I do? And, and Eden said, well, have you ever, would you say you're a generous person? And the woman thought for a long time. She said, no, I'm not. And so even, even the, 
this poor person had to work through what would a vow of generosity look like instead of, and cause I don't think it's just, it's not God's heart that you guys would go hungry because people in Haiti go hungry. It's God's heart that we would share and make a common table where no one is poor. Hmm. Oh, I sounded like a socialist there. <laughs> you sounded like one of our t-shirts. <laughs> this is not Marx. This is Christ. This is Acts 2, the church. Yes. Yes, The church filled with the spirit, experiencing revival, looks like a community where no one is poor because everyone shares what they have. Mm. That's, so that's the Acts model. Yeah. Our, our friend Randeep, his, one of his great sayings is, when we eat together, no one is poor. Uh, yeah. With that very same sentiment behind it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very challenging stuff. And, and we've marginalized the Sermon on the Mount, so much um, because I think we're uncomfortable with the challenges. Um, or we marginalized it by spirit over-spiritualizing it, yes. right? It's like, oh, yes. yeah, if you just exercise a little self-loathing, there, you're poor in spirit. Yeah, there you <laughs> That's go. all you have to do. Just just, <laughs> just go into self-loathing. And then, and then we marginalized as you go down further, right, we, we turned it into righteousness as in personal devotion. When the word there is just, you know, righteousness yeah. slash justice. It's yeah. a, and, and uh, we, we turned peacemaking into a, a, an actual label for a particular brand of handgun and missile. Yes. Mm. <laughs> We're going to make, and so all of this, we, we found ways of bastardizing and, and marginalizing the Beatitudes. I think that this first Beatitude, blessed are the poor yep. in spirit, is the is the foundation. It's like the 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 linchpin of the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. I really believe that. And yep. one of the things that you alluded to that that I developed uh, in in this book on the Beatitudes is, uh, you know, using, uh, using what some of the church fathers use, the image of the ladder. Um, and as, as you know, the, uh, Jim Forrest did a wonderful book on this. But that, that, yes, there is an ascending. This is what made me think of it, what Christ, the multiple meanings of him ascending the, the mount to give this sermon. There is an ascending... Uh, I believe it with all my heart that these beatitudes will lead us into a, 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 a closer relationship with Christ, but also a, a higher perspective. We begin to understand things, but at the same time, we go back again and again and again. I think each beatitude drives us back to this first one. Actually, I really agree. Yeah, I would. You could work it. You could reverse engineer it this way, from grand to precise. That you could start with the entire. Jewish prophetic tradition. And if you were to distill that, you would distill it down into the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're just just distill the Sermon on the Mount, it would come to the Beatitudes. And if you're to distill the Beatitudes, you come to blessed are the poor in spirit so that it becomes, it's on the same level as sort of a John 316 in the sense of the core of Jesus teaching. And that's why I think where we need to where we need to hold together the literal and the spiritual would be, let's say in impact nations, the impact you have on actual 
poor people, it is very connected to their inner transformation and seeing the world in a new way, right? It's not, yes, you want to feed them. Um, um, and not, but you want to feed them. You want to get them clean water and you want, and you want to see the, the grace of God begin to transform them in the inside um, into, into Christ-like disciples who are generous with each other and develop communities where of, of a, God's alternative just society. So uh, some have called this the constitution of the kingdom of God. Hmm. So, so let me ask yeah. this question then. You talked about the moral. Yeah. You mentioned the constitution and it reminds me, you, uh, dad, in, in your book, you actually posited this question of why do we have battles? You know, every few years you get these battles uh, in front of a courthouse. They want to take down the Ten Commandments or they want to put up the Ten Commandments. We're always talking about the Ten Commandments. Uh, I was talking with somebody today who, uh, in their mind, they had it that Jesus walked around talking about the Ten Commandments. And I I thought, well, no. <laughs> um, why don't we ever talk about the Beatitudes? Why is this not actually a part of public discourse? Uh why don't we want to aspire to that and instead That's, look at the Ten Commandments, which are thou shalt, thou shalt, instead of blessed art. So what, what you're bringing up is what we really need is uh, legal and social battles about putting up the Beatitudes at our courthouses. Is that what <laughs> That's what saying? I'm saying, yes. Yeah. Let's start fighting. For yeah, our- <laughs> we'd be getting warmer at least then, right? <laughs> yeah. Why is it that we want to hang on to the Ten Commandments because Jesus who said, I came to fulfill the law, like, let's move forward here, and gave us a new law of sorts. We are biased in our nature toward rules. We want to know what the rules are, and then we want to use them as an internal scorecard. How am I doing, and how am I doing compared to you? Yeah, It's it's like in the, the, the core of 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 the brokenness that's what i think how about you yeah yeah i agree with that and also then the that the beatitudes aren't just a new set of rules Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they they are the fruit of a life that is being transformed by the way of the cross and so we don't we don't want to take up the way of the cross we want to just believe in jesus or we just we want to just keep the rules so we make it either about a new kind of law that's moralistic, or we make it about like don't even participate in this stuff because that's works. Yeah. So you got two two extremes here, right? One extreme that turns the beatitudes into a new set of legalistic laws that you embrace, and the other is one that turns them into a set of legalistic laws that you reject because grace people don't do that. Um, when in fact I see them as Jesus' version of the fruit of the spirit. When the grace of God indwells you with the character of Jesus, it will come out looking like, and that's why they're not just, um, they're not just signs of, of being what underfoot. Like it's not just, well, poor in spirit, mourning, meek. That's all loser language. It's not loser language. It is also a sense of virtues that have been generated by the grace of God in us. So this is what we're looking for. What is the fruit of a Christ-like life look like? It looks like someone 
poverty of spirit, where they, they are no longer bound to agenda and ego. Um, they're not just mourning because they're sad. They're mourning with those who mourn in, and wiping the tears from their eyes. Um, they're not meek in the sense of weak. They're meek in the sense of they, they use love instead of coercion to bring about change. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, they're not just, they're not only hungry for justice in the sense of moral outrage. They're, they're hungry in the sense of uh, we're going to do something about this, you know, and you just carry on. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's pause there. Is that starting to answer questions, Tim? Or yeah, we, I think so. I, th I think it, uh, I get what you're saying, Dad, about we we like rules. It's nice to have just a cut and dry, do this, don't do that, and you'll be good. External, yeah. yeah. I, oh, no problem. I won't murder someone. Yeah. Okay. Check. <laughs> yeah. I've made Check. it 41 years in a row without doing that. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but poverty of spirit is, is a... I mean, there's only one way to reach that, which is abiding in him. And uh, in a kind of abiding that surrenders to the crucifixion mm. of yes. the demands of the ego. Yeah. Like, so, like letting him at your stuff, at your pride, yeah, your privilege and power. This is, this is what I, uh, I think poverty of spirit is, is about... Um, facing the reality of the false self, to use Merton's term. Very good. And yeah. um, and in the pain of that, the death of that, which is a long, slow death, um, I'm finding, uh, it's in the midst of that to find the true self. Um, and so that's, and that's the second half of the Beatitude, right? Yep. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who have faced the reality and poverty of their false selves. Blessed are you because yours is the kingdom of heaven, which is to say you will find your true self in Christ and experience the fullness of joy that comes with that. Yeah. So it's the death and resurrection of Christ transposed into your daily life. Crucify with Christ and raised up with Christ. I fellowship in his sufferings. I fellowship in his resurrection. So the first half of every beatitude is describes crucifixion as it would look in a daily Christian life. Second half of every bad, um, beatitude describes the resurrection resurrection life of Christ at work in us. Wow, that's very good. that's very good. Well, so, I'm, I'm I'm ripping off Benedict the Sixteenth there. He he, he just said that 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 it is the the beatitudes among other things are are the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ transposed into the life of daily discipleship. That is mm -hmm. like straight out of him. So let's, let's talk practicalities here for a sec. Brad, I know that you are uh, engaged in lots of spiritual disciplines. What, what could you recommend to people who are, you know, hearing this conversation and saying, man, I, I don't know how to get there, but I sure want that. Uh, I think you talked about it, the bankruptcy of the ego do you have any recommendations on just a, a daily practice, a daily habit to be in to, to begin to center yourself or orientate yourself towards that in some way? Well, one of them for sure is that I've memorized and I pray the Beatitudes every day. Hmm. And what it does is it installs a furnace of discernment in you as well. So that every, every lie from the false self, whether it's 
self-importance or self-hatred or self-pity, all of those Mm -hmm. cannot get through that furnace without being consumed. So when I pray from my heart, one beatitude at a time, every day as a practice, uh, it, it becomes part of your heart and also, but also cleans your, cleanses your eyes and ears so that the, that the grandiose statements of the, and demands of the false self don't seem true anymore. Give you a, like, here's a practical example for those in the uh, charismatic movement where there's prophetic element, right? I have all these people love, people love to prophesy uh, grand, grandiosity. And it's like, that's not poverty of spirit. That's not meekness. That's, it, it, so they're like, you know, Brad, um, the Lord says to you, he's going to give you the nations of the, as your inheritance. We probably talked about this. And I've had that one a lot of times. I'm like, yeah, me too. half my cul-de-sac doesn't even like me. What are you talking about? <laughs> and by the way, you're, you're quoting Psalm 2, and that's about Jesus, not about me. And anyway, grant, next to resentment, grandiosity is, is, is the number two cause of relapse in addicts. Why would I think that's good for me somehow? You know, so (laughs) grandiose prophetic words are utterly consumed within the first three Beatitudes. And so I don't have to worry about them or live up to them. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, and so um, and and so. So that's one practice is is memorizing and praying those and praying them from a posture of surrender and letting go instead of clinging and grasping. And, and it really can begin to expunge ambition, like ugly ambition, even ugly spiritual ambition. So I use the Beatitudes alongside uh, the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And I'm not afraid to say the end of the prayer, ask sinner. Hmm. And no, I'm not confused about my identity. That's not my identity, but it's my daily struggle. And so I have people just say, I, I can't even identify with the word sinner. It's like, well, <laughs> let me ask your kids about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, of course, my identity as a child of God, I'm not confused about that. But if you think you your identity excludes you from needing mercy today, you are lost. Mm. Like, I'll just say it. You, If you don't need mercy today, you are lost. And actually, you should not receive communion. Because... Receiving communion is acknowledgement of my need, of my poverty, of my will, surrender to uh, to the mercy of God, that I need the mercy of God. And if you don't need the mercy of God, then you're in the Pharisee camp for sure. You know. So I think we've, even around our identity in Christ's teaching, um, uh, that itself can marginalize the Beatitudes because it doesn't. They don't sound very triumphalistic. Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, you get triumph to the degree that you acknowledge poverty of spirit. If you if you say yes, Lord have mercy. Oh, okay, of course He will. And then I uh, I just very much connect the first beatitude also to step one in the twelve step recovery. Um, we admitted that that we were powerless over our addictions and that our lives had become unmanageable. Well, blessed are you if you can accept that and admit it because step two, 
we found a power greater than ourselves. We came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. Oh, okay. So I, I see a real parallel between uh, those steps. In, a, in fact, one alcoholic who's not a Christian, but he reads the Sermon on the Mount and prays the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi every day. Been, uh, I think he's been sober for like 30 years now. But that, and that's how, right? And he says, because the Beatitudes are God's original program for recovery. And wow. Wow. That's a guy who doesn't profess. He's to be a Christ a following, God fearing, non Christian. Because <laughs> he sees Christianity as this toxic religion that's out there and it's an institution. He's not interested, but he absolutely believes there's a God who is transforming him. And he believes that, that trans the front end of that transformation is hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. <laughs> so yeah. I know a lot of Christians who don't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Martin Luther didn't believe that. He, he said, you're not even welcome to obey these things or you're denying the gospel. Good Lord, man. What a mess. <laughs> um, I want to come back to something that both of you guys touched on, uh, this concept of grasping, of, of clutching and grabbing, of, of hoarding of um, material things, really. Um, so I want to touch on that, but that's, I'm going to do that as a teaser because i got to stop and pay the bills, as they say. A uh, quick yeah. advertisement. Um, I mentioned last week on the podcast, this is really cool, Brad. I don't even know if you know about this, but um, I just just behind me, I got a bunch of bright yellow DHL boxes. You can't see them, but they're just, just on the floor behind me here. Um, I believe we are you. starting to receive uh, uh, goods from Nepal that have been made by students who graduated from our skills and business programs. And we've got some amazing uh, partners and friends, uh, David and Cynthia Pearson in Nepal, um, who have started this whole small business school and uh, rescuing people from pretty horrific situations and helping them become uh, financially free. Uh, and so they've been making stuff. Uh, we got jewelry, we got Christmas ornaments, we got macrame, which I'm still not 100% sure what that means. Uh, and then we've got quilted cards are on their way. Um, and it's funny, they split up the shipment over five boxes. So every couple of days, I get a text message from Bethany saying, hey, another box arrived. What do you want me to do with this thing? Um, but I, let me, one sec, I got some stuff right here. Let me just show you. That's no good. That's white. You can't see that. Here. Um, so I, what I have here, this is cool. It's a bag of felt hearts. These were made by young ladies in Nepal in a safe house. Mm -hmm. uh, and these are now on sale on our impactnations.com website. In fact, if you go to impactnations.com slash Nepal, uh, you can jump straight to the, to the catalog full of this stuff. So you can buy a set of six Christmas ornaments. Uh, if it's, you know, need to get ahead of things and make sure you decorate your tree right. Uh, this, we got these jewelry sets um, that were made again. This one actually is signed, I can't read what she's written, but the lady who made this is signed here. Um, 
these artisans are hand making this stuff. There's like they've got a whole assembly line of these women who are getting this stuff done. You can purchase this as a gift for Christmas or something for a loved one. And the cool thing is it comes with a card on the back here uh, with a description of exactly what this gift is all about. Because really, when you're given a gift like this, the jewelry is is part of it. But really, uh, to show a loved one that this purchase has actually just helped to totally transform somebody's life and some, somebody's future. So, um, you know, on, on the back, this one says, the artisans are, resi are residents at New Ventures Development Center in Kathmandu, where they're learning business and leadership skills along with the art of jewelry making. Discover, uh, discovering and developing their dreams is the purpose of the year-long program. So this is a year-long program. Uh, and so they made this stuff. They shipped it to us. And now we've got it on sale. There's a whole catalog of it on our website. Uh, real quick, for those who are watching, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You're going to have to just go and find out for yourself at impactnations.com slash Nepal. Um, but if you go to our merchandise here and scroll down, we've got the From the Field collection. Uh, and you can see these cards, by the way, absolutely extraordinary they're like a three-dimensional uh i don't even know they call them quilt cards i didn't know what that was until i i saw this stuff but really beautiful stuff so imagine uh being able to uh to write your christmas cards with that stuff it's just so cool so now here's the really interesting thing is a hundred percent of the profits from this now we've we've purchased this stuff these women got paid for this work uh and are reinvesting one of them uh said she's reinvesting the profits from her work right back into her education so she can continue to to grow her business and her understanding um but then additional profits are just being poured right back into our skills and business programs so that more and more people can thrive uh last year we had 237 graduates from our skills and business programs around the world this year even in the midst of covid i think we were just doing the math yesterday i think by the end of this year it's going to be well over 250 250 students uh are going to be graduating from skills and business programs and a lot of them are receiving small business loans or grants to go get started uh so you can be a part of that and look good at the same time wear some sweet jewelry uh hang a, a felt ornament on your tree or around uh, your swag. neck or, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you can hang it, this it, around it. your neck absolutely i dare you to <laughs> <laughs> we'll walk downtown come on steve let's see it <laughs> <laughs> anyway impactnations.com slash nepal now one more thing for our uh for our listeners of the podcast a special deal if you buy four items or more from our uh from our merchandise section there our nepal merchandise we're going to give you 20 percent off um, so that you can get some savings and still get lots of gifts for your loved ones and stuff. Um, buy now because it's limited supply and we're going to be shipping that out to you so that, uh, especially you Canadians, because, oh my goodness, mail's taking a long time to get to Canada right now. If you want this stuff in time for Christmas, you better order today. That's all I have to say about that. Thanks, guys. Um, let's get back to the Beatitudes. I want to talk a little bit about this concept of, of clutching and grasping and how that is n obviously not in the spirit of, of poverty or poverty of spirit and yet it's very much in our culture dad you wrote a, a really good ebook earlier this year on sabbath rest uh that talked about the spirit of mammon and uh that just drives our culture to be constantly grasping um so in the literal physical sense of poverty for those of us if we're not going to take a, a, a vow of poverty if i'm not going to take the kids to go live under the bridge then what what is the attitude that we take in terms of our physical stuff well 
one little thing, I go back to what Brad said 20 minutes ago, we take a vow of generosity. We learn to live generous lives. And um, I think generous lives don't keep score either. You give it away, and believing God's going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. But you don't wait till the evidence is there that he's taking care of you before you give it away. When there's a need okay. that he puts right in front of you, um, if you have the capacity for that, both James and John say you can't just say, well, I'll pray for you, or um, I'm really sorry to hear that. No, we, we respond, which is what the early church did, which is, by the way, what Tim and I see in the developing world uh, in the churches, where, as, as we've said, you know, they live on what we could hardly imagine, and yet there is this free generosity within, the, especially all those house churches, when there's a need. And to me, that goes back to what you said, Brad, Acts 2, Acts 4. And um, I believe that it, it's uh, not only is it something we, we need to, to do because, um, because the way we love Jesus is the way we love people. And because um, we're called to a life of faith, and that isn't a, a creed, that's a, a, a life of trusting the Lord, um, that, that it, it, I think it breaks us free, to be honest with you. I think it breaks us free. You know, the spirit of poverty is the fear of not having enough, and it doesn't matter whether you get 10 bucks or 10 million bucks, it's the fear of not having enough. And that, to me, is at the heart of, of what you said, grasping. Um, Clutching, grasping, and hoarding. Um, and that's the connection between the Beatitudes, Philippians 2, and the fall. So, very briefly, there's an impulse for grasping that mm -hmm. leads Adam and Eve to take hold of the fruit that, that was not theirs to take. I believe they would have received it but you, from, from the hand of the Father. He would have shown them discernment. What's good and evil? Ask the Lord. And, and so they would have received that fruit, but instead they grasp at it um, because they want to be like God for failing to remember they are like God. <laughs> They're made in the image and the likeness of God. They are his image in the world. And, and they become convinced they're not that, so they need to grasp for it. Philippians 2 is the opposite, being in, the, in very nature God. He did not consider his equality with God a thing to be grasped. And I think it's a direct reflection on the fall narrative. Mm -hmm. And instead, he empties himself. He voids himself. And so Simone Weil picked this up when she's doing her work in French. She connects that Christ voided himself of whatever. And I think it was, you know, any right to use coercive power. But then she, she connects that to the first beatitude. And she says, blessed are the void in spirit. And void's a very dramatic word, I think, for it. It's, and um, but it's it's all about this letting go versus grasping, um, open hands versus clutching fists, yeah. and that's and just in any moment during our day, we can examine ourselves as to whether I'm being uh, um, opening my hands or closing them, opening my arms or folding them, 
And it's a, the early church really had this idea that there's two paths. They taught this a lot. It's like Psalm 1. There's, a, there's two paths, and, and, and you see it in the, Beata, in the Sermon on the Mount, too. There's a way it leads to life, a way that leads to destruction. The way that leads to life looks like the self-giving love that foresees the cross. The way that leads to death is the hoarding and clinging and grasping that actually took out the whole human race uh, from, from human number one. So, oh, and just uh, one other side to this is I have spent many years just trying to overcome my internal violent impulses using Matthew 5. But what we're talking about is even harder. It's Matthew 6, right? Trusting God to be for provision yeah. instead, of, instead of the clinging, grasping ways that we try to um, can control our destiny and make ourselves safe and uh, you know and that that's not just financial it's like take all the ways that god wants to take care of us yeah um my pastor uh was saying at church on sunday about god's provision and he stopped himself he says by the way if when i say provision you hear money then first off that says a lot more about where you're at with god than what anything about God, but he said it is so much more. It is provision of everything we need to get through this day. And I think sometimes we jump straight to the material goods and forget about yeah. the poverty right. of spirit. Yeah, true. Yeah, and the provision needed from him. I, I think that one of the great, I say this to people often in terms of uh, determining where you're at in terms of this clutching and grasping and, and things like that is if you have a look at somebody's calendar and somebody's bank book, I think it's going to tell you a lot about whether even where their level of trust is in terms of God's provision, but their overall level of generosity. And that's, I say calendar because the way you spend your time and your talent is as much a, a part of it as where you spend your treasure. But, uh, that may be a good place to start just in terms of self-analysis is, you know, if somebody, if, if my non-Christian neighbor cracked open my bank book, um, bank book, like, like we have bank books anymore, but, you know, looked in my banking app, let's say, and saw my transactions and they looked at my calendar and saw the way I spend my time, would they even know that I'm a follower of Christ? Wow. I, it's very challenging when, when you, when you just, you start reading and trying to take seriously what Jesus talks about in terms of, you know, laying up treasures for yourselves. And again, monetary too, hmm. there's a literal element, but not only that. And, um, but it's also not rocket science, a lot of it or magic. It's like, you know, don't have a bank account. You should trust the money tree. No, it doesn't work that way. But what you can do is, is be part of a community of faith Um that that has open tables so that the provision is embodied in the community and i mean impact nations is doing that on a, on a global scale right but if you tell a, a ugandan or a or an indian you know that they should be trusting god for their provision um, they may indeed see miraculous provision but most of it most of it is is about a faith community practicing love for one another as the way that they love God. So faith express, the, Paul says, um, 
here's the only thing that matters, which is a strong statement. Yeah. This is what matters. Nothing else matters. Faith expressing itself as love. Yeah. In that context, I think poverty of spirit look, does look like open hands to receive that become open hands to give. And you realize there's a mutuality and a reciprocity to this. I think that another angle of this openness is um, is making room. I mean, Christine Poole wrote a book years ago called Making Room. It's about the community and not just community, but me making room in my life. What, what Vanier calls the gift of welcome. And I thought of that when you just said, if you looked at your calendar and so forth, that it, it is so countercultural right now. It's, it is so profoundly countercultural to make room, to think corporately, to think inclusively when we are inundated with the most individualistic society history's ever known. And I believe it is, it goes back to being poor in spirit, goes back to recognizing my need, recognizing, uh, you know, I was with a, a fellow two days ago who's just a half a step off the street. And I, once again, was so enriched by him and even a prayer that he prayed out that, that it's poverty in spirit says, I need the Lord. And I need him through other people, too, I mm. think. So it includes this whole concept of making making room in our lives. Because uh, you see, if, I don't, if I'm not poor in spirit, I don't need to make room. I, I'm self-sufficient. Yeah. But if I'm authentically poor in spirit, I'm not self-sufficient. And, uh, and I, need, I need others. And, yeah. uh, and to me, that's why this it, whole gift of welcome is so key to how, if we're going to live authentically as followers it, of Jesus. It does beg the question, doesn't it? Uh, like, how did Jesus practice and model poverty of spirit? How did he do it? You know? And, um, and, and, and so the literal sense is he rejected a pathway into kingdom power that mm -hmm. involved, you know, worldly power. But, but then, like you're saying, making space. And you just see all his one-on-one -on -one encounters with people on the way between things that, that end up being more profound than all the meetings he probably did. Like, mm -hmm. the, we don't hear about very many of the, of the big gatherings compared to this person, this person, this person. And it's, it's always these people who are poor and broken and miserable. The very call of Christ to these guys, whether they owned little fishing businesses or they were tax gatherers or whatever, the very call was to poverty of spirit at every level, immediately. It was yeah. dropping everything, leaving it behind. So there's, there's like a demarcation in their life. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed that, uh, have you seen the, the video series, The Chosen? Yes. And and I one of the profound moments is Nicodemus, he just so much wants to follow, but he just is too afraid uh, of losing everything. And you see him just in agony at the around the corner looking as they go off. Uh, there is a demarcation. Again, we're back to what we said earlier. Uh, contemporary Christianity, we like to spiritualize. We don't like demarcations, I think. So you could you could translate it this way then. Um 
uh, blessed are those who have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, woe to those, like, let's say Nicodemus. Oh, poor Nicodemus. Like, mm. he has everything to lose. Mm. And poverty of spirit, then, as God generates that in us, then even people who do have wealth and privilege, if we can get a place to a place of we have nothing to lose, you know, so I think of our friend Paul Young, right? Um, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's done well in terms of income from book sales and all of that. But he won't, he, he never says no to something out of fear of what he'll lose. He's like, I've got nothing to lose. Or these Coptic Christians who are being persecuted and, and with death threats from mm -hmm. the Muslim radicals. I remember one of their, one of their bishops or priests just saying, um, I'm already, I died at my baptism. What are you going to, you can't kill me. That, no, we've done that already. I've, that <laughs> ship has sailed. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, I think, okay, that, that's a kind of, that's a kind of poverty of spirit too, where, where you can see why it does hook into actually worldly poverty or worldly wealth. If you think, if you think I have too much to lose, you'll be like the young man who mm. walked away sad from Jesus in Mark chapter 10. Uh, there's too much to lose here. So how can we even, even as well-to-do people get to a place, that place where it's, you know, someone wrote to me yesterday rebuking me. It was a friendly rebuke and I took it. Um, but they made one mistake in it. And it's like, well, if you want people, if you really want people to, to listen to you, I'm like, it's kind of, I do, but is that the goal? Like he wanted me to alter my message mm for fear of what I might lose in terms of a fan base. I'm like, okay, that I don't care about. Mm -hmm. um, not that I want to sabotage um, the capacity of God to speak through us, right? But if the goal is about hoarding listeners or donors, yeah. you, I admire you guys have taken hard stands at times that I know cost you donors because Jesus told you to do it. You weren't being jerks. It wasn't about self-sabotage. It was it was about like we we may actually have to speak a truth here that will be unpopular, and and um, and then of course what you found out is when you trusted God, he pro He's providing everything you need. You know, yeah. But you had to get past that fear. Yeah, it's true. So, it's well true. done. Yeah. Well, and I, I think mean, just having me on—that's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we took a vote, Tim and I, and it was a split decision, but tie goes to the runner. So. I think that this is a really good practical one as well. I, I love being able to give people something practical to walk away from, uh, walk away with. And for me, this is one of those, like a litmus test. When you start asking yourself, what do I have to lose? If the list is too long on what you could potentially lose by either taking action or not taking action, by engaging with somebody uh, or not, uh, yeah, if that list is too long, then perhaps some of those things on that list are idolatry, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there's not yeah. poverty of spirit there. Yeah, Very good. Oh, that's good. Treating poverty of spirit as an opposite to idolatry. That's very clever, Tim. I think it's exactly right. Yeah, I think that's what that is. Because anything that you're not willing to let go of is, by definition, an idol. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, our friend John McMurray, his house was 400 meters away from the red line um, in the fires in Portland. And they had to pack up their whole car into, they packed up their car so that they could evacuate with an hour's notice. And he said that was such a powerful um, kind of a purging. What do I value? Wow. What, do I, what do I leave to burn? Right. And he said it was so amazing in terms of a spiritual exercise that he's going to do it once a year. Wow. Huh. With or without fires. What's the what? If I can only take a carload, right? And and and, and on the other hand, I, I see some of our, our poor homeless folks in town and they have they have you know stolen a shopping cart and mm -hmm. it was stacked to high heaven with just junk. And I'm like, <laughs> this is a bit of a parable of what we do, isn't it? So Yeah, that's very true. Hmm. Well, it's been an hour, so we should wow. probably go. And I'm really hungry, so <laughs> that's my cue. Thanks for thanks for letting me join you. I, I know we did rambly stuff, but I bet you there's some takeaways today. I think so. This has been good for me. Very good. Yeah, this is really helpful. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for joining us Pleasure. as always. Uh, looking forward to having you again soon. Uh, in the so meantime. I'm not fired yet? Oh, good. No, no. not yet. No. <laughs> Give us one more look at your t-shirt oh, before t -shirt. you go. All right. So, yeah, now we'll round up our ads. Impactnations.com slash shop. You can get this. I like this one. This is a cool, this is actually my favorite of all our designs. That's the one I'm getting. Because it, it's like, you got to look at it for just a second to figure out what it says, you know. Um, uh, Impactnations.com slash Nepal. I, I got a text message from Isaiah who's watching from down the hall and he, he reminded me that I didn't actually give any discount code for, for that. So if you want to save that 20% on the Nepal merchandise, uh, it's, this is just for podcast listeners. So this is, you're getting the inside scoop. This is Nepal. No, sorry. Podcast dash Nepal podcast hyphen Nepal. All one word is your discount code. You buy four items, uh, and we're going to give you 20% off. And we are, you are helping yeah. to, with people that, uh, our partners have rescued off the street, rescued from, you know, ter terrible situations. Yes. I love and, and are now employed. Yeah. And I love this one because we're, with the merchandise from Nepal, we're seeing the fruits of, of what we've been training uh, and seeing people who are already thriving with their own small business. But at the same time, we're also investing in the future for other students uh, just to give you an idea on what some i say 100 percent of those profits go into our skills and business program uh this week alone uh i'm sending money uh to richard in uganda to get that bank started that we've been talking about a, a um, village bank a so village the, bank the, the, the village members yeah because the closest the... bank they've got is 30 kilometers which uh, away which may as well be three time zones for the poor uh and so they can do small loans and stuff there uh and uh, we're also sending uh, money to Trinity to do 60 uh, small loans for, for women who lost everything, all their business uh, during COVID. Uh, so we're going to help them get restarted with their own small businesses. Uh, plus, they'll be getting the alternative training at the same time. Uh, plus, also this week, we just started uh, training 34 teachers 
uh, from a, a school that just has been closed all year and couldn't couldn't afford to pay them anymore. So the principal, God bless him, said, hey, we can't pay you anymore. We're out of money, but uh, we're going to partner with Impact Nations and get you the small business training. And then one of our other partner organizations is providing small business loans for them. So that's the sort of thing you're investing in when you buy a t-shirt, when you buy a, a piece of jewelry from Nepal, uh, it's going to be exponential growth. Uh, and going to pull people out of poverty. So impactnations.com slash shop. Check it out. Brad, thank you so much for coming. We'll see you again soon. God bless you.